on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Hey, Utica's excited. It's fight night. It's UFC fight night, baby. Everybody's getting ramped up for that. You uh, can listen wherever you are via the ESPN app. Uh, Perhaps you're going to be coming to Taste of Syracuse, which is where we're supposed to be right now, but we're not, and I'll explain why here shortly, uh, you know. Spoiler alert, it's raining. So we had to start the show here at the studio. But if you have the ESPN app, you find the Listen tab, you find ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Radio Utica Rome. You can listen to us wherever you go. The Taste of Syracuse is a great example of that. You're out and about. You're doing things. You're getting those delicious dollar samples. You're listening to that great live music. You're having some cold beverages, but you still want to listen to the show. Well, you can do that You know, when other people are there. I'm not there right now because it's raining, but when... All our great Galaxy Media stations are there at the Del Lago Casino Tower. Chill, relax, listen to uh, whatever station is there amongst the four great radio stations here in Syracuse, or you can listen on the ESPN app wherever you go. So download the app, hit the Listen tab, find ESPN Syracuse, and away you go. Here's how you get in touch with the show, 437-7644. That's the phone number, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. Got your face in your phone. Might as well uh, fire off a hot take or two at us. That's hot. While you're doing it. So, yeah, we're supposed to be at the Taste of Syracuse right now, and we are not because it's raining on my parade. The only time of the day it's going to be raining is pretty much now. Started about a half hour or so, actually more like an hour ago, and it's going to be done just past 6 o'clock. Like, come on! That's when the X-Man's supposed to be at the Taste of Syracuse. I was ready for my dollar samples. I was ready to show you my fancy salmon shorts that I'm wearing today. I was ready to direct everyone to the bathroom or the Bang Bang Shrimp or whatever it is you were looking for. Those waffle pops look delicious from the Rise and Shine Diner. Are you kidding me? I was about to go scarf down about four or five of those babies. Alas, it is currently raining and, you know, operating a lot of electrical equipment that it takes to do a radio broadcast while it's raining. Not ideal. Not ideal. So, I don't know. If it clears, I'm only like a block away from the thing. So, if it clears up, I might start the show and finish at the Taste of Syracuse. We'll see how it goes. You should still go throughout the weekend. Like I said, the rain's going to clear up in a couple of hours, and then tomorrow looks great. 
as well. So it's happening all weekend long, as you know, in and around Clinton Square till 11 o'clock tonight from 11 to 11 tomorrow. The dollar samples, the food, live music on two stages throughout the weekend. It all culminates to Smash Mouth Saturday night at the main stage. Get on out there, baby. The Summit Federal Credit Union Taste of Syracuse is happening. It is this weekend. It's raining on our parade right now, but that'll be over soon, and then you can get down there and have yourself a good old time. All right. What we got coming up on the program today? Well, we're guest-free, so why don't you be my guest at 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, or the text line at 288-0644. I want to get into a little bit of some Syracuse stuff. Yeah, we, we're kind of wrapping up Tyus Battle is back and what that means, and it's been interesting to see some of the national college basketball writers kind of react to that and where they rank Syracuse in the preseason now that we know who's back or who is staying in the draft, so where does Syracuse fit there? The annual 990 tax report is out, so we know the salary for the first time of Syracuse football. Head coach, Dino Babers. Thanks, Brent. You coach. So we'll tell you how much Dino makes, how much Jim Beheim makes, where it is in relative to the other Power 5 coaches in college sports. And spoiler alert, they continue to be bargains here in central New York. So we'll get into that. Hot takes on the way, but, I mean, you know where we got to start. I know it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and by now you've maybe read something or heard something, certainly listened to ESPN Radio throughout the day. It's the talk of the sports world, and I just kind of have to get out my feelings on this, though I did tweet about it a bit last night. I mean, I'll just flat out say it. This is now twice in the last three days that I feel I can comfortably come on this show without a hint of hyperbole and really believe when I say that is, in this case, the worst that I have ever seen. In the case of Braden Holtby's save on Alex Tuck the other night in the Stanley Cup final, Baldwinsville's own Alex Tuck chasing the Stanley Cup, that's the greatest hockey save I've ever seen. Given the circumstances, given the play, given, I mean, that added all up, that's the greatest save I've ever seen. J.R. Smith's blunder has got to be the worst blunder I have seen from a basketball player ever. Because what comes to mind when you bring up a choke like that, just a complete and utter gag, a complete and utter mind shutdown, brain fart, whatever you want to put in the, the sentence to describe that. What I've always said is, if you're going to compare anything to Chris Webber, it has got to be in the final seconds of a championship game. Until then, don't talk to me, because that's the list. Well, it got topped last night because J.R. Smith, in the final seconds of the NBA Finals, didn't know the score. In a game where Cleveland, look, I don't think the Cavs would win, but weird things happen. Think of the confidence they would gain. LeBron James scores 51 points. The Cavs steal one in Golden State. Maybe the Warriors bounce back in Game 2. Then you go back to Cleveland where this team plays really well. LeBron James just seems to have this next level that he can get to. Just when you think you've seen it all, LeBron shows you he's got so much more as he did last night. There are so many things that happened before that that in any other day would be the lead story. George Hill misses a free throw right before that, which kind of feeds into the J.R. Smith thing, but 
free throws matter. Even NBA players in that spot, 82% free throw shooters, misses a shot like that. But that's just a basketball play. That happens. As much as an NBA player really shouldn't miss a free throw there, listen, it happens. That's basketball, right? The Kevin Durant, LeBron James foul situation, I thought would be, you know, it's certainly been discussed, and I've got thoughts on it. Trust me, I thought that would be the dominant part of the conversation today. But then J.R. Smith said, hold my beer. And then J.R. Smith has the gall to go to the post game afterwards and say this. No, I seen it. I knew it was tired. It's just I thought I was going to call a timeout because I got the rebound. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody didn't think I was going to shoot over Katie right there. So. On the replay, in the replay, it looked like you said to LeBron, I thought we were ahead. If I thought we were ahead, then I, I would have just held on to the ball that fouled me. That's exactly what he said to LeBron. That's exactly what he said to LeBron. You got to own it, man. You got to show up. And, and J.R. Smith did to an extent. I'll give him credit in one sense. But you just got to own it. I screwed up. That's my bad. Don't make up stuff. Well, I thought it was this. I thought we were going to. No. You gagged in a huge spot, the biggest spot you possibly could get. It was so bad that it fooled even the play-by-play guy and a great play-by-play co- uh, play guy in Mark Kestisher on ESPN. George Hill receives the ball, trying to untie the game. 4.7 seconds to go in game one. Free throw line to our right. Hill dips, free throw up. Free throw's going to be short. Rebounded by Smith. Two seconds to go. He dribbles out. They got a foul. They can't get him. The Cavaliers on the road, stunning the Golden State Warriors in game one. Tied at 107, my bad. Tied at 107. I am not fluid in Spanish, but I can tell from the Cavs radio Spanish play-by-play that even they knew something was bad. Gira en su mano izquierda, dobla las rodillas, la pone en órbita. Gil, falla el segundo, el rebote es de J.R. ¿Por qué salió J.R. si estamos perdiendo por un... Estamos empatados, J.R. Smith. Qué falta de mente de J.R. Smith, Dios mío. J.R. Smith, qué pasa, qué falta J.R. Smith. Qué barbaridad, qué manera de no estar en el partido, J.R. Smith. Yeah, J.R. Smith, Dios mío, is right. LeBron James has to come to the podium afterwards, and our old friend Mark Schwartz from ESPN drove LeBron James out of the press conference. From where you stood on the court and from talking to him after the play, what's your reaction to it? What's your version? What do you mean, what's my version? Well, did he think that the game was tied, or did he think that you guys had it salted away? How do I know that? Or did you discuss it at all with him at the end of the play? No. They asked me if I talked to JR about it. I said no already. I knew it was a tie game. We met, we, we was down one. Um, George Hill went up. He made the first one. We got the offensive rebound. You know, I thought we were all aware of what was going on. That's my view. So I don't know what JR was thinking. I don't know the question that you're trying to ask. I was just trying to see if you, you knew exactly what his state of mind was. Did he think that you guys had it won, or did he think he was trying to make a play? Not no. sure. What do you mean, I'm not sure. No, I don't know his state of mind. Did you know if he knew the score? And exit stage right, LeBron James. I mean, what do you do with Mark Schwartz? That last question was actually the best one there. I mean, just, just let it go. I think the, I, I teach a class on this at Syracuse. Asking other athletes what athletes are thinking is ridiculous. They don't know. Ask questions you know they can answer. Anyway, that's your lesson for today, kids. This is incredible. Now, the great thing about all this, 
And the NBA certainly didn't rig it this way because if they're rigging things and they're getting on the headsets and telling them to let things go a certain way, as a lot of conspiracy theorists out there love to discuss, then the conspiracy theory is Cleveland wins because the more Cleveland wins, the longer the series goes, the higher the ratings are, the more money, et cetera, et cetera, right? But think about what we're not talking about here, which, you know, is in the conversation but does not take the focus of the conversation. I've never seen a call like that overturned. And the fact that the two greatest players in the NBA are involved in it. Now, the protocol does call for that. It's rare that it happens, but there's a disagreement on the court. They can go to it. It's like, well, how come you can review that, but you cannot review anything else? Like, that's the one judgment call that can go in and overturn. It was the right call, by the way. That was not a charge. That being said, who wants to see that overturned in that spot? George Hill misses a free throw. The fact that Golden State can just kind of lollygag through these games and flip that switch when they want to, that thing went to overtime and Cleveland got buried. So this is not just this game in this moment. And we've got a lot more basketball to be played here, and I think Cleveland can at least you know show a little bit of, you know, we're not going to be dead and buried because of this. But you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself here now, but you know what I think that's sealed? As if we thought it was going to happen anyway. LeBron James doesn't come back to Cleveland now. If you're LeBron James, you're like, I'm going to come back and play with these jokers and drag them to the finals like this and have, you know, one of J.R. Smith wouldn't be on the floor if Kyrie Irving was still still there or some other Cleveland teams that have been assembled in recent years. But if you're LeBron, it's like, I'm done. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to give it everything I have in this finals now and see what kind of damage we can do and go out as close to on top as we can. But how can you continue to play with guys that do this? Like, there's only so long you can let them ride your coattails. Just absolutely mind-boggling. Just when you think you've seen it all. I mean, look at the last few games. The Boston Celtics and the amount of three-pointers they missed. As ridiculous as that is, that's just basketball. Shooters miss sometimes. As mind-boggling as the Houston Rockets missing 27 straight three-pointers in a Game 7 is, at least that's in the context of the game. That's just basketball. It just happens. J.R. Smith not knowing the score. And the play before that was a terrific rebound over Kevin Durant. And then to run away looking to get fouled, thinking that Cleveland is in the lead. I mean, you can't do it. You, you can't have people on the court. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, I remember Lawrence Moton called a timeout in an NCAA tournament game once. Sorry to bring that up, Syracuse fans, but can't do it. That's the biggest basketball gaffe I've ever seen. Because if it was going to top Chris Webber, the ingredients had to be right. That is an NBA final. We didn't know the situation, and you blew any opportunity to steal that game. And you made it so much harder on yourself to try and do that against a team that Golden State, they got it on cruise control, and once in a while they've got to flip it off, and, you know, they're just cruising down the highway. It's like, oh, i got to get by this truck here. Let me just turn off the cruise control, ramp it up a little bit. Okay, we're back. It's like I've, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, Kevin Durant was awful for three quarters, and then he just starts making plays. And Steph Curry's just like, yeah, whatever, man, I hit a big three, and he does the one, two, three thing, and 
you know, Draymond, I got you got you know what you got to love. Draymond Green slaps LeBron James in the face and then has the gall to complain to the ref that they called it. <laughs> Golden State is so good, it's annoying. It, it's almost annoying at this point. Let's go to the phone, shall we? Let's go to the other Pat in Syracuse. Wants to chime in on this at four three seven seventy six forty four. Other Pat, lead us off, baby. How you doing, man? Thanks, man. How you doing, brother? Doing great. What a game last night. I'm with you. I, I can't do the West Coast games, whether it's basketball or hockey, but that one was worth staying up for. Uh, I think it'd be safe to say that, you know, with this game last night, I haven't seen that amount of pressure or weight on LeBron's shoulders since uh, game six of the Eastern Conference Finals against Boston back in 2012. You know, the second year of the big three, that experiment, and, you know, they're going on the road and, you know, they're down uh, – they're down elimination game. Anyway, he couldn't. LeBron could not have played a better game last night, and it just it. it I'm with you. I don't think he's coming back. And then, uh, you know, just regarding J.R. Smith, if you see towards the uh, replay, you actually see him talking to LeBron. You can actually read his lips. I thought we were. I yeah. thought we were up. And so for, he says that. Then he goes to the post game and he's telling all these. T- he's telling these statistics. No, no, J.R. We have cameras. We can see what you're saying. You clearly told LeBron. I thought. We had the lead, and you brought up that performance by LeBron, other Pat, and you brought up another great point that all Grandpa cares about was, was it worth staying up for and losing a little bit of beauty sleep? And, and the answer to that was an unequivocal yes. But LeBron James scores 51 points last night. That is the greatest performance in an NBA Finals game by someone who lost that game. Ever. 51 points. Uh, the previous, I believe, was Jerry West, who had 45 points in a Finals game that the Lakers lost. By the way, Jerry West was 1-9 in the NBA Finals in his career. I heard that stat the other day. I said, that, that cannot be right. It is. Side note there. But if you're LeBron James, look, a picture tells a thousand words, right? And a lot of people have been, I just shared this picture on Twitter a few minutes ago. Everybody's been using this picture in some form today. A lot of great memes made out of this picture today. The picture of LeBron James with his arms out just Looking at J.R. Smith like, can you be a bigger idiot right now? Just, that's just dumb. Dumb. Encapsulates the whole thing. And on that note, we will break. We'll talk more about this. We've got some hot takes on the way. I mentioned I want to get into some SU-related stuff today. What the college basketball experts are saying about Syracuse. I know it's June 1st, but, you know, we'll chew on it for a couple minutes. Just like a nice, delicious dollar sample at the Taste of Syracuse with Tyus Battle coming back. I mentioned uh, it's fight night in Utica, the UFC. I'm not a big UFC guy, but this is pretty cool that the UFC is here. Fox is here. Pretty soon that's going to be ESPN, but for now Fox still has the TV rights, and, you know, we're getting big events like this. I mean, two years ago the UFC didn't even, you couldn't even have this event in this state. So I want to talk about that. Fans in Utica I know are amped up for that. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. We're back after this. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Hey, hey, welcome back. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Taste of Syracuse weekend. Dollar samples, live music on two stages throughout the weekend. Come on, you know the deal. In and around Clinton Square. It's fight night in Utica for UFC. How cool is that? A lot of big things happening tonight. Uh, by the way, we're uh, supposed to be a taste of Syracuse right now, but uh, weather's not really cooperating, though. It's it's looking like it's clearing up here. So, look, if you were planning on coming down to taste of Syracuse tonight, still do it. You may have to come a little later than you thought, just because it's kind of cloudy and still uh, raining a bit right now, but it's going to clear out. 
Uh, I am no Wayne Mahar. We should get Wayne Mahar on the phone to get the official taste of Syracuse forecast here. But uh, my very basic uh, meteorology skills tell me that uh, this going to be clearing out pretty soon. And if you're if you are planning on making dinner, taste of Syracuse and enjoying some live music and all the beverages and every, you can absolutely still do it. Okay, meteorologist Brent Ack says you're good for tonight. Right now, it's still a little iffy. We might make it over there by the end of the show if the weather's okay and we can turn on all the equipment we need to turn on and not get, like, electrocuted. That wouldn't be good. But for now, we're here in the studio. But Taste of Syracuse is absolutely going on throughout the weekend till 11 o'clock tonight, 11 till 11 tomorrow. It's a beautiful thing, baby. I mean, dollar samples. Seen that waffle pot, man? I got to get me, like, three or four of those. Let's get that fancy open do some hot takes for now. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Yes, Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. So here's a bit of an eyebrow raiser in the world of NBA interviews. Woj Bomb, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, John Beeline, former LeMoyne head coach, current University of Michigan head coach, interviewed for the Detroit Pistons coaching job. On Thursday, league sources telling Woj, now you'll recall in the past that Tom Izzo at Michigan State has been linked to that job. Shows you how often the Detroit Pistons coaching job is open, right? And ultimately, he didn't take it, but there was some strong indications he might go that way. A lot of uh, you-know-what happening at Michigan State right now, the bleep sitting the fan kind of way. So would Izzo kind of slink out and take an NBA job? Look, John Beeline is one of the better coaches in college basketball these days. I don't know what his desire is to coach at the highest level. There's a lot of coaches that, you know, certainly that's their end game. But then you look at a guy like Jim Beheim. You look at Mike Krzyzewski. You look at Bill Self and Roy Williams. Now, all those guys could have coached in the NBA at some point if they wanted to. Mike Krzyzewski could have had the Lakers job if he wanted it. But some guys just get to a certain level, and they want to coach at that level for a reason. Everybody's different. You know, Jim Beheim has said it a number of times. This is his alma mater. This is where he wants to be. The NBA is not the ultimate calling for some guys. John Calipari went there, flamed out, didn't work out. Rick Pitino went there, you know. Remember Larry Bird's not walking through that door? Just Some coaches don't work at that next level. They are much better where they are. I'm not sure what the intention of John Beeline is there, but if that report is accurate, and it's a Woj report, so you got to anticipate that it's coming from a source that knows. That would be, a, I think... A, a great hire for Detroit, first of all, because, well, you've kind of been going through a lot of coaches. You might as well try something different. Stan Van Gundy was their last go-around at it. And, oh, by the way, uh, one Patrick Beeline is sitting here in central New York, and not that I want to see him leave anytime soon. I thought he was going to get the Siena job, frankly, but is that what Michigan would do? Keep the Beeline bloodline going? Patrick coaching at Michigan? John coaching with the Detroit Pistons for a time? So, Very interesting news to follow there. We'll see who Detroit ends up hiring. I'm sure they've interviewed a number of people. They got rid of their general manager, too. They're just cleaning everything out there. So 
John Beeline. That's hot. Getting a very well-deserved interview. We'll see what happens there. Do you know who uh, recently qualified for the U.S. Senior Open? Emerging from a three-man playoff to take the final spot? That would be Hall of Fame pitcher and current analyst John Smoltz. Uh, if you know Smoltzy and... He's done a lot of great interviews. He does uh, stuff. Uh, he's an analyst, of course. You can hear him on the broadcast, but he he's done great interviews with guys like Dan Patrick and on ESPN Radio. And it always comes back to golf with Smoltzy. Not only that he loves golf and he's passionate about it, but he's good at it. Three places up for grabs in an 18-hole qualifier at the Plantera Ridge Golf Club in Peachtree City, Georgia, which is about 30 miles south of Atlanta. And Beeline, or Beeline, I was just talking about Beeline. John Smoltz grabbed one of those. See, this this kind of reminds me, like, people ask you all the time. That's not the right way to put this. People think about this all the time. What if you won the lottery? What would you do? Because I think even if I, you know, after I got up in the morning and swam in my Scrooge McDuck vault full of money, if I like, was set for life. I won a Powerball lottery that was just insane. Like, you've got to do something. Like, there's only so much, like, just hang on the beach you can do. And believe me, I would do a lot of that. But you want to do something. And I truly, my wife rolls her eyes when I say this because you can think of better things to go after. But you know what I think I would truly do if I just, I won the Powerball tomorrow? I would try to become a professional golfer. I would try to do this. Because you've got to dedicate yourself to it. You've got to have the time to it. I would hire the best golf instructors. Who are they? Like Hank Haney and those boys? Like, I can afford to pay those guys now. That's what I would do. I'm I'm only 39 years old. Like, if I, I've always wondered about that. If I was set for life financially, I got whatever it is, $50 million in the bank. I'm good. Take care of my kids. Set everything up. If I really dedicated myself to golf, could I, in say a whatever a ten year window, become a, a professional golfer? That's why I love reading stories like this. Now Smoltz is a great athlete and played golf throughout his baseball career. He's been building up to this, but to hear that at fifty one years old, this guy qualified for the U.S. Senior Open. How cool of a story is that? And that's the unique thing about the Open. It is truly an Open. Like, you can qualify for the U.S. Open. It's really, really hard to do, but you can do it. Like, there is a process that, you know, you, yes, you, listening to me right now, can qualify for the U.S. Open. That's hot. Anybody can do it. Doesn't mean, what's, how how can I put this? Anybody can do it, but it doesn't mean you can do it, if that makes any sense, right? Smoltzy did it, though, for the Senior Open. How cool is that? So we'll be watching that. And rooting for him. Common sense prevailed here. The SEC has passed a new rule that graduates can now transfer within the conference and play immediately. After a vote on Friday abolished a previous rule which required transfers to sit out a season before remaining eligibility. In years past, players like Georgia's Maurice Smith and Florida's Malik Zaire had to apply for a waiver to get immediate eligibility. Now, this came up this week because Nick Saban, got headlines for attempting to block an intra-conference transfer of Smith and most recently offensive lineman Brandon Kennedy. Tuesday, Saban said he felt singled out by the criticism faced in doing so, asking reporters, quote, 
Why is this on me for enforcing what was a conference rule? Despite being against the rule, Saban added that if the rule did change, quote, I think we're one of the schools that would benefit. Yes, see, now all of a sudden you're for it because Alabama's certainly one of those destinations you want to go to if you're a fifth-year player, you've got immediate eligibility, and you can help win a national championship. So this is grad transfers, but I've always wondered about the, the transfer rule itself and having to sit out a year, and they're examining that. But it really burns me when coaches think they have the right to do this. Now, if it's in the rules and you're enforcing the rules, that's one thing. But the fact that coaches would block a kid from going to where he wants to go, I'm sorry, that makes no sense to me. And you could say, well, within the conference, it's a competitive disadvantage. What if a player, say, left Syracuse and went to Duke and gave Mike Krzyzewski all the secrets that he learned? And I'd be like, you tell me these coaches don't watch film and don't know these schools anyway? The, the schools that know you best are the schools in your own conference. A coach should have no say, none, over where a kid wants to transfer. If an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kid, for whatever reason it is, and I'm not saying there shouldn't be some oversight and some rules here because kids would absolutely take advantage of the rule. But by and large, if somebody wants to go, so remember this whole thing when uh, was it Cam Johnson wanted to go from Pitt to North Carolina? If he changes his mind and feels he's a better fit in another school, then th- to me that's just an occupational hazard as being a coach. You just kind of have to deal with that. And notice a lot of these stories come out in a way like the player gets so frustrated that it leaks to the media or a reporter finds it. It's like the school is trying to kind of sweep this stuff under the rug mostly. The coach will block the transfer, and you know we hear about it like a month or two later. By and large, if a kid wants to transfer, I think you just kind of have to suck it up and let him go. And those that say, well, what if they're trying to get more playing time here and they're not a true student-athlete and they're taking advantage of it? To me, it's like that's the game you play because you're recruiting, especially in football, right? You're not recruiting all these kids to be student-athletes. You're recruiting them because they're really good football players. So if then they turn it around on you and say, I'd be a better football player somewhere else, then all of a sudden you care? That's hot. That's always burned me. This is interesting. I wonder where it's going to go in a... Man, you just, did you think earlier this week you'd be hearing about Brian Colangelo's burner Twitter accounts and maybe his wife's involved in that and just what a crazy story that is? So you wonder where things will go in the current media environment. Things that should be a big deal are not, right? Because think what got all the headlines this week. Roseanne and Samantha B. Meanwhile, like 4,000 people died in a hurricane as opposed to like the reported 46, and you barely heard a blip about that. I know I'm getting off the sports screen here, but it just shows you what captures people's attention in the media these days. Like two rappers got in a fight, and everybody was all about it. It's like, okay, there's like real things in the world here happening. So I apply that to this. In another time and a place, Peyton Manning being linked as a source confirming he took performance-enhancing drugs of some sort would be a massive story. But in the world we live in today, it might just be a blip that passes, and this might be the only thing you hear about it. Now, this came from Al Jazeera, remember, did a documentary. Al Jazeera, by the way, does it, it's no longer on the air. It doesn't exist. 
They did a documentary called The Dark Side, Secrets of Sports Dopers. In 2015, as the story notes here from The Hollywood Reporter, just weeks before the network went off the air and Major League Baseball superstars Ryan Zimmerman and Ryan Howard, who are suing Al Jazeera over this documentary, brought their claims. The film was based on the reporting of Deb Davies with substantial assistance from somebody named Liam Collins, who's a British hurdler who went undercover. The report cited the word of Charlie Sly. Now, that's a name you should remember, who the network indicated was a pharmacist who had worked at the Geyer Institute in Indianapolis. After Al Jazeera's story came out and made a splash by dropping names like Peyton Manning, Dr. Dale Geyer denied that Sly ever worked there. Sly also recanted a story. Now, remember that? This Charlie Sly guy, he claimed he worked there and knew Peyton Manning was funneling performance-enhancing drugs to that place, and it turned out like he was basically an intern and didn't even work there, so that story got discredited. So what's coming out now, because there's lawsuits and things that were sealed before are coming out. So the to boil this down, you can read the story about it that's out there today. But what it basically boils down to is they're unsealing. Uh, I found this on the, uh, let's see, yeah, this Hollywood Reporter. Pate Manning was the source. The headline of the story says, Al Jazeera says Pate Manning was the source confirming doping claims in the film. Now, what's doping, right? Like Peyton Manning had major neck surgery and was trying to recover from that and maybe got some substances to do that that, yes, are technically against NFL rules, but if you're trying to keep playing, you know, think about how Kobe Bryant went to Europe to get knee infusions and things that, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge are against rules, but eh, if it's in another country, it doesn't count, right? In another world, another time, this would be a much bigger deal. But given kind of the sensational world we live in today, I, I think this is barely going to make a blip. If Peyton Manning wanted to work as an analyst on any network tomorrow, they would hire him like that. There's just certain guys that can absorb this kind of stuff more. Whereas others, it would ruin your career. It's amazing to me. All right, let's break on that note. Start to see the sun breaking through here downtown so i may make my way over to the taste of syracuse before the show's over for now we are hanging in studio the taste of syracuse is absolutely going on till 11 o'clock tonight 11 to 11 tomorrow dollar samples live music on two stages throughout the weekend including smash mouth saturday night for free rain's going to clear out here in the next hour or so you're clear for tonight to get on downtown baby in and around clinton square and enjoy the beautiful taste of syracuse You're on the block, ESPN Radio. We're back after this. Thank you. Bye-bye.